0: you unlock this benefit with the key of patreon beyond is another dimension a dimension of thought a dimension of speculation a dimension of mind you're moving into a land of both waffle and substance of things and ideas you've just crossed into the podcast zone well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to trekking through the twilight zone. We're going to jump on a train and we're going to be heading to Willoughby, a lovely little place out of the way. And uh, Julian, are you going to join me there in Willoughby?
1: Oh yes, I'm. I'm in Willoughby every night.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it seems like a lovely place. Stopping off, obviously, like the what uh, oh, bloody hell? has gone from my memory. What did they refer to as? The Huckleberry Finn kind of sort of town. Um. Yes, ladies we're on to the episode A Stop at Willoughby in which uh, Adman, uh, I forget his name now is um, under pressure at work it's all about the push, push, push and uh, <laughs> when that pressure gets to him uh, he starts to fantasise about this wonderfully uh, quaint sort of old Americana town of Willoughby that may or may not exist uh, and eventually one night he makes the decision to stay in Willoughby but what does that do in the real world? So, Julian, what are your thoughts on this episode?
1: Uh, I think that this is inferior to Walking Distance, which is mm-hmm. uh, the fifth episode that I, I, I think very highly of. But I quite like this episode, and mm. I and I do remember this episode. Um, it's impossible to not think of Madman, um, yeah. You know, which... which acknowledged some influence from The Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. So. Um, And, and, you know, I like the, except he's a Gart Williams, the character here, it works in television. I don't think this is as good. It's, it's got a, um, sort of twist ending, which I'm fine with. It's dark. Uh, Mm. but yeah, you know, I mean, I, I like this. I like the character. I like the central dynamic. What about you?
0: Yeah, the same. I, I actually really like some of the stuff in this episode. You mentioned like, Mad, Mad Men. is one of the first things I wrote in my, in my notes. And a little bit of research, actually. This name, it, this episode is name-checked by the showrunner of Mad Men as mm. being one of the, the influences. Also, um, uh, it was noted that this is in um, Rod Serling's top five episodes, mm. uh, personally, so he, he liked this one as well. But, yeah, there's some interesting stuff in this. I like the fact that some of the things it covers... Um, About basically the workplace, about how you can't trust any any sod—they're all going to turn on you and take the account somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, But more than that, that this idea of—and it's seen this has come up a lot, and it's come up in other episodes of the shrewish wife, Mm -hmm. who—and it's a horrible stereotype that I know was this was a TV trope for many many years how like she's the one that's sort of like you know without me you wouldn't be anything and he's like i don't want to be anything <laughs> like mm-hmm. you've you've made me this to facilitate your life like i'm out there earning this this what is this salary this income so that you can be a part of this this you know this this status club or the you know the the green club or whatever these are the social clubs like i don't want to do this anymore and instead of sort of like you know because he clearly has like the, the the pressures this job that clearly affects his mental health Mm-hmm. um which results in the ending um but his wife's like not willing to support him in any way she's more like oh to shut up and do the job so i can keep go doing what i'm doing and she's vile um that's the point but th- this thing again i understand it and i'm sure it happens but it's it feels a bit cliched at this point even in this series
1: yeah, she's definitely the weakest part of this episode. And if, mm. if this episode has one thing that just does not work, it, it's her. And and I think you're right. It's just that she is too over the top. Yeah. She, when he talks about Willoughby to her, she just ridicules him. And she says, you know, your big dream, big dream in life is to be Huckleberry Finn. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. I mean, you know, okay. And when he calls her and basically says, like, I'm quitting today i i'm cracking up i can't do this anymore i'm done apparently she is totally unsympathetic. no there's not an ounce of concern for him in her body so yeah that that's all pretty excessive and she definitely is the the weakest
0: link in this episode Mm. Um, but there are certain things i can you know I, i can empathize with but again there are certain things in this episode that Got, they're there to pr- to form a point, but they don't work on a practical level. at like the moment when he breaks, mm-hmm. you know, when he's got the multiple phone calls and he's got his secretary coming in talking to him. At some point, I'd have been like, "All right, love, shut up. You can mm-hmm. see him on the phone. I don't care who needs to see me. I'll be in in five minutes." Like, but she keeps just saying his name as if like he's not listening. And you're like, "You're a terrible secretary." Like, <laughs> like, acknowledge what he's doing leave him be and leave him a note and be like I'm, just, I'm gonna leave you a note go see so-and-so in five minutes do the phone calls leave him be and I, it was just things like that i'm like yeah this is just irritating um however that boss who oh, yeah. push 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 that i sort of can imagine and especially in in a 60s late 50s early 60s workplace this idea of you know no no no, this is this is what we do you have to be a man and it's all about it is all about that push 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 it's all about working the hours and earning this and da, da, da. that all felt kind of real and still exists very much today unfortunately this idea of sort of like giving yourself to the job like you are the job kind of thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that sort of like hit home a little bit. To be honest. There was a bit of a biting thing there. I was like, he really snapped and he's like, all right, fatso and we'll leaves. I was like, <laughs> we've all been there, mate. We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I found myself to get to
1: the, those, the scene with the secretary and the phone calls. I thought how, you know, I know this guy is basically passive. He really didn't have the ambition. His wife pushed him. Uh, but, how the hell did this guy reach this level? If he can't, I mean, not only tell the secretary, you know what, leave me alone for a second, but I kept thinking, tell these people on the phone, you know, <laughs> I'll get back to you. Like I've already told you, I'll get back to you. Calm the hell down. Hang up on them. Yeah. You know, how do you not, you know, have the guts to do that if, if you're an executive? Um, yeah. I mean, the boss is is really wonderful, and mm-hmm. the, and the sort of like push 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 kind of you know masculinity uh live to work kind of thing um and of course now i mean that that does seem realistic and and there are still bosses like that and now um you know i identify with uh uh you know i'm gen x i often identify with you know gen y or z and there's this whole transition to like, no, we don't want these miserable jobs. We don't accept <laughs> yeah. that our life is all about work, and when you greet somebody, the the first question is you meet somebody, the first question is you know, what do you do uh, for an occupation? Well, screw that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I do I do really enjoy that boss.
0: Yeah, he's good. And the, the, the guy who plays him has got some great facial cues as well, which I... I he, he's just a good... Going back to the, the this this place seems to they get they have some good character actors in for side roles in this show, and I just think it's it's worth calling out. We've said a lot about like, Mr. Pip in previous episode and, and these others, like this is another good one. Um one of the things as well though is is I want the, this idea of Willoughby. We need to get to this this thought on Willoughby. Willoughby's this wonderful, picturesque little sort of pre 1900s town. Uh, you know, everyone lives at a slower pace and can, you know, can enjoy life and all sorts things. Was this idea of the rat race and you know, this idea of a slow time, was it was it a thing then in the like, late fifties,
1: early sixties? Oh, yeah.
0: 60s? oh okay. absolutely.
1: Well, you know, I mean it's not I mean, you have that like the whole, you know, the novel like the man in the gray flannel suit, right? Mm. I mean, this was like basically madman avant le Like, you know, this was just like yeah we we all wear these same gray flannel suits and we're just slaves to you know the stupid kind of culture and and yeah i mean this was something that was a common social critique even in the 50s well,
0: it existed
1: anyway yeah
0: yeah, yeah. no I just funny it's one of the things that hasn't gone away i mean i was literally reading an article recently about japanese work culture uh, was it Chinese? I think it was Chinese work culture called the 996, which is that you work from 9am to 9pm six days a week. And it's unofficial that the, the Chinese government are like, no, we don't condone this. You're supposed to only work this many hours, but we're not going to do a great deal about it. And it's literally taken like physically, like people have reached exhaustion. It's taken the lives of three workers in the last like, couple of months. It's become a bit of a thing. But it's tech companies and these big companies that are like, well, no, it gives this massive advantage in the world. So we're going to sort of acknowledge it and really push for it. So it's baffling that these things still exist. Well, not baffling, I suppose, but it does exist, this idea of push, push, push. Um, <laughs> But it, it was interesting to see that this this ideal, this, this counter in Willoughby. And it made me think of more recently uh, depictions of this. There's a show called Life on Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, no, was, there was an American version made with uh, Harvey Keitel in it, but um I will, you know, I watched it. Didn't really like the American version. The america the British version stars uh, Philip Glenister, and I forget the other guy's name. But it's this idea: the guy goes into a coma and gets sent back to nineteen seventy-three, and it's about sort of, you know, it's it's sort of the opposite of this because he goes back and has to deal with the brutality of seventies policing, but. It's, this, it's modern, it's going back and this idea of sort of sometimes things were better in the past and, and all this other stuff is interesting to me because it comes with roasting to get glasses and I can imagine if you did go back to Willoughby in 1888, is it? Something like that he says? Something like that, yeah. Um, you're like, oh yeah, I'm sure you could go and sit down by the creek with these two lads fishing and all this other stuff, but then if you get polio you're screwed. If you get a scratch mm-hmm. you're probably getting an infection. You know, <laughs> it, there was yeah. Well, I mean, I I wanted to
1: return to the the, to the boss. Um, This I just absolutely believe that Rod Sterling had some boss at the network who used (laughs) the phrase push. Like you got to push, you know, like I know you're struggling with these deadlines. You're writing, you know, 40 some episodes a year. You know, you just got to push, 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 Rod. You know, I absolutely believe that. (laughs) Um, And even though this is an advertising agency all of his calls in that scene are about TV shows. Uh, yes. And he seems to be making decisions about not just representing them, but about, you know, more like a TV executive. So, I mean, I did make that connection. It, it does seem like there was something autobiographical for Rod Serling there. What you say about Willoughby is is fascinating, and I think it goes back to that nostalgia uh, and that, that sort of Americana. And I do connect it to, you know, Walking Distance, But walking distance portrays that as a reality, right? Mm -hmm. A guy goes back in time and sees his own childhood Mm -hmm. and it is idyllic. It is wonderful here. It's a fantasy. And I think that is more accurate. I mean, ultimately, would I want to go back to, you know, uh, my childhood in a small Midwestern town With, yeah, a cornfield behind my house and going to Kmart was our idea of fun? Hell no. Absolutely (laughs) not. That sounds miserable. And the reality, you know, there was a lake in which people fished and I used to play around. It was terrible. (laughs) Um, You know, and my friends, you know, would have pushed me in the lake and I would have pushed them in the lake for a laugh. I mean, uh, there was none of this sort of... Um, you know, you know it's a fantasy because those kids are so nice to him. And they're like, Yeah, there's there's oh plenty of space and plenty of fish. And then strangers say, Oh, Mr. Williams, good to have you here. You know, I mean, there's this sort of it's so over the top and stereotypical. And the reality is there's no air conditioning, it's hot, yeah. you yeah. know. I mean, there are bugs all around that bandstand. And if you sit in that in that wonderful circular bandstand for more than five minutes you're going to be driven crazy by the bugs in the summer uh so yes it's it's a fantasy of americana it's a fantasy of an earlier version you Mm. know from 1888 but um yeah i think you're right that it it, it, at least the show knows that because at least you can rationalize the fantasy
0: yeah i think what's interesting as well is, is is the changing time that this shows this fantasy world this old version let's say this this, this old americana and it being this fantasy if this was to be done today and it has been done i suppose i say like with life on mars and other things um it would be the person gets taken back to this fantasy, this perfection, and they wouldn't believe it. And there'd be like some sinister undertone of like, well, who's actually running this perfect fantasy? Think like Westworld, we talked about it, with Westworld, this idea of like this representation of the, the the fantasy and it having some ulterior motive, like you can't trust the perfection. The Matrix is a good example of that thing, you know. Um, and that's what it's I find that... Pleasantville. Pleasant yes, it's the Truman show. You know, this idea is like, you know, there's always something behind the, the perfection, behind the utopia. So I you know, in this case it is a true fantasy, but it's interesting to see that this become this has got a a weirdly um optimistic yet tragic ending. Um He steps off the train and dies. Um but I'd like to think he you know he's enjoying his time in Willoughby. No, 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 he's just dead. Uh, I I don't
1: don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, he keeps thinking on his commute, uh, he keeps having this recurring dream as he falls asleep of Willoughby. And it gets to the point where he says, I'm going to get off. You know, the train pulls away and he doesn't get off in the second time. And then he says, Oh, the next time I'm going to get off and I'm going to, you know, so he does. But then you cut to, apparently he has like in his sleep, jumped off the train thinking he's in his dream. And, He's at the end of a crevasse, basically, dead in the snow. And um, the, the one thing I don't think really makes a lot of sense is that the back of the hearse has, it says Willoughby and son. It's sort of, oh, that's clever. But it's not like he saw that and that's why he called it Willoughby. It's not like that hearse keeps, you know, people keep dying on this train and he's made some mental connection. I, you know. I mean, I guess it's possible what, what you're sort of suggesting that Willoughby is real and he's he's escaped into some fairyland. I think he's just dead. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> it depends how you take it. Okay. Interesting. Cause you can that that is definitely a way to take it. See, if you wanted to do that, like you say about the, the, cause I noticed the hearse. And again, if you wanted to sort of take it the other way and have the usual suspects kind of reveal. I'd want him to just reveal that like the seats were made by Willoughby and Son, And he, he had the word Willoughby in front of him constantly or the blind, the blind he kept pulling down, had a you know, it was made by Willoughby and sons or Willoughby and or whatever. Willoughby co that would be more interesting that he just kept seeing this, this name. Um, yeah. Cause I say that the, the, you know, that would have been better than the, than the, the funeral, the, the coroner or whatever. So, um, Okay. Yeah. I, I like the I do like kind of like you've taken the sort of like the, the more permanent and cynical ending, but <laughs> that might um, say
1: more about me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um we'll see. Maybe one day we'll all reach Willoughby. Um find our yeah. own personal Willoughby.
1: Yeah, we'll spend uh one hour there and be done yeah. with it. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Boy, I really miss the rat race. You know, yeah. there's gotta be some middle ground here.
0: Well, again, like you say, this is, is this one episode away from uh, a nice place to visit? Mm -hmm. Does he get to Willoughby and then realize it's all perfection and it gets boring? I don't know. You know? Yeah. No, I think it would. Um, But, but again, it it comes back to character
1: and there it was a criminal who, you know, is a cardboard character here. The wife is a cardboard character, but uh, Gart Williams is also sort of cardboard in the sense that he wants to slow down. He wants yeah. to just, he does not have ambition. Really? Like, you don't want to yeah. read or do something, or I don't know. I mean, you can imagine this guy might be happy in Willoughby. I sympathize with him, but mm, I would probably be less happy.
0: It's that thing of taking a week off, isn't it? And saying, so, like, I'm going to just disengage for a week. And then I can sort of go back in. But fraternity sounds like quite a long time sitting around fishing. I hate fishing. Anyway, any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, fishing is cruel.
0: Oh, yeah, cruel. It sucks also. It's boring, if anything, is where I was going. But yes. (laughs) Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. And we shall see you on the next episode.